Well, we are continuing on with our consideration of what the Lord's Prayer teaches us. And that's the point of the Lord's Prayer. Of course, it's to teach us how to pray. We need to be taught here. And what a blessing it is to consider, consider this. I mean, imagine if Joe Montana showed up to show you how to throw a football, or if Michael Jordan showed up to show you how to dribble and to hit a jumper. And there's no... Everybody here is of my age. I don't have to explain to, to the young kids that those are the, the true goats, <laughs> not Steph Curry or LeBron James or any of those guys. Or what if you had like the world's greatest chef as your personal instructor in the kitchen, if you care about cooking at least? Well, you'd be excited to hear what these people had to say, what they had to teach you. You'd be on the edge of your seat, and you would be ready to implement what it is that they taught you. And why is that the case? It's because that they have shown us in their respective areas by putting to practice what they know. And when it comes to prayer, Jesus is more than an expert in this area. And we should be eager to hear from Jesus on this topic. Now, that's how it is in Luke 11 and Luke's recording of the Jesus teaching on prayer. Jesus is off praying at some place we read there. And when he's done, his disciples come up to him and ask him to teach them how to pray. They saw how Jesus was praying, and they knew that they had much room to, to grow there. And why not take advantage of questioning the man who's always prayed perfectly and so powerfully uh, with no hindrance or no limitations or being hampered by sin and transgression in his life? And prayer is definitely and infinitely more valuable than a hobby, a skill, or a job. A communing with your God in Christian prayer is one of those things that all Christians, no matter age or no matter social status, no matter our education, it's something that we all share. It's present in the life of every Christian, and it is absolutely necessary to our life. As I said before, I think maybe the last time or the time before that, um, it is prayer that is, is the very breath of our lungs. By grace, that's true when we're thinking of it properly. And that actually will become evident for you this evening, I hope, as we consider the fourth petition here in the Lord's instruction on how to pray. That the Lord's teaching on prayer, when we get to this fourth petition, <laughs> it shows us our utter dependency upon God for life and all things that constitute life, especially the Christian life. And by that I mean that we as Christians are aware of this. Whereas the lost go about their life not seeing how dependent they are upon God at every moment. But before we think of this fourth petition, we need to briefly just recap the other previous petitions because the fourth petition could be misconstrued if we're not thinking of it in light of what has already come before and in the context of how Jesus is instructing us here. So in other words, uh, the, the fourth petition doesn't just come out of nowhere. It, it's in the process of the Lord Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. And this petition comes forth, meaning there's three other petitions, as well as a preface or a, an addressing of the, of the prayer that's already been communicated to us. And we have to think about those rightly so that we can think about the fourth petition in a correct way. So the first thing that we need to remember is that we're praying here to our Father, to the Father who is God. Jesus puts this prayer in the most intimate of family terms rather than to just simply God. I mean, it's fine to address your praying to Almighty God or Lord. Those are all acceptable and okay, but it's important that Jesus here is showing us to actually pray to the Father. It's not first about proper protocol. Uh, when we know to whom it is that we are talking, 
the right approach will follow. Uh, he's not our roommate or your butler or your genie or your girlfriend. So, you know, we don't want to be chummy or demanding or romantic. But neither are we told to speak to him like he's a dictator or a judge or some scary tyrant. Like we have to plead with him against his better judgment to listen to us. So we don't grovel, we don't squirm, we're not to be afraid when we approach the Lord God in prayer, Father. Rather, we're instructed to pray, our Father. We're encouraged to come as his children, comforted that the Father loves you and that he's confident that he wants to hear from you. The preface or the opening address teaches us that we need to, re and we need to remember that as we think of this fourth petition. But then also, note, we should also have the other petitions in mind as we think of this fourth one. And by the way, that's what Jesus is teaching us here. Um, to petition the Father along these six lines. They're not ascriptions. They don't ascribe something to God. Though maybe we could debate a little bit about the first one. But that's not how the Reformed generally have saw this prayer. So it's not your name is holy or your kingdom is coming. These are petitions that we're doing. We're asking God to do something. And I won't go over them all because you've had the whole sermons preached to you on them recently, but I do want you to notice the structure that's in the prayer. And we're looking at it primarily in Matthew 6. We'll be in a couple places tonight other than Matthew 6. <clears throat> but it's here in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching this, and then again also in Luke 11. But we're basing it here on Matthew 6. They're a little bit different. The first set of three petitions or requests focus on God's glory. First, his name and the spread of his glory. And secondly, his kingdom. And then third, his will. And the second set of three petitions focuses on our good, our provision, our forgiveness, and then our protection. And sorry, I didn't with the surgery. They don't have an outline for you guys tonight. Um, but these two categories... God's glory and our good shouldn't be separated. Paul, can you repeat those last three? Yeah, the, the second, if we look at it almost the second table within the yeah. Lord's Prayer, um, our provision, our, our good, our, focus on our good in three categories, our provision, our forgiveness, and our protection. So what we see in this then is that God is glorified as he gives us what we need. And when we ask for what we need, we always must do it with remembering this intention of God being glorified. So you can think of prayer that, that Jesus teaches us to pray in those categories, God's glory and then our good. And so in a way, we're beginning a new section tonight. The fourth petition begins the section in which we are requesting something for our good. And there's something for us to understand here as well. Yes, God is sovereign. Yes, in his divine his divine providence is directing everything that happens all of the time and at all times. And yes, prayer still matters. God still wants us to pray. You got into some of this last week while we were uh, thinking about God's will being done. But chapter 3 in the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith is on God's decree. And paragraph 1 says this. It says, From all eternity... God decreed everything that occurs without reference to anything outside himself. So in other words, it's he himself. He's not looking into the future and possibilities. He decreed what would happen based upon his own wise counsel, his own wisdom, his, the pleasure of his own will. 
Then it goes on to say, He did this by perfectly wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably. Yet God did this in such a way that he is neither the author of sin, nor has fellowship with any in their sin. This decree does not violate the will of the creature or take away the free working or contingency of second causes. On the contrary, these are established by God's decree. In this decree, God's wisdom is displaying all is displayed in directing all things, and his power and faithfulness are demonstrated in accomplishing his decree. So I know that's a pretty heavy statement, right? Wanting to explain how it is that God is, by his divine providence, is sovereign over everything that happens. Everything is happening according to the counsel of God's will. That's the way that Baptists said it uh, you know, three centuries ago. And so when we think about this tonight, and as we think about prayer, when we pray and we, we ask God, we bring petitions to him, requesting him to act, knowing that he is sovereign and everything occurs according to the counsel of his will, what this means is that our prayers are so very important, actually. It, it certifies them as the means by which God is accomplishing his purposes. So in other words, God intends to do A, B, and C, and he accomplishes those ends through secondary causes, of which often are the prayers that he puts upon the hearts of his saints, of his people. That the things that we are want to pray for, are we're praying for them not because we are selfish. We shouldn't be, at least. That's not the desire. We're learning to pray rightly. We should be praying after God's will, praying for the things that so that our will is in line with him. And in doing so, he is accomplishing his will, and we are taking part in his accomplishing his own will as his people. It's a, it's a truly amazing privilege that we have. And in that, God's will is always being done. And I, I don't want to be confusing here because I know we talked about, you guys talked about the petition for God's will to be done last week. I listened to it, recording of it. But when I say that God uses our prayers, and in that, even our requests to him of ordinary things, that his will is always done, I'm referring to that which he has decreed, which again is, is all things. You know, he works all things according to the counsel of his will, Ephesians 1.11. When we pray, Father, your kingdom come and your will be done on heaven and on earth, we're not saying that God is sovereign in heaven, but not on earth. It's a recognition that obedience to the law of God is not often followed by humanity here on earth. And when it is, it's by the graciousness of God at play, empowered and often enacted upon by our prayers. And so having that in mind, that brings us to the fourth petition. And it's an interesting to ask for in some regards, and one that I suspect is often neglected by many today, especially for what the petition asserts specifically. So question 111 in the Baptist Catechism is, what do we pray in the fourth petition? And that prayer is, give us this day our daily bread, Matthew 6, 11. And the answer that it gives is that we pray that of God's free gifts, we may receive a component, a competent portion of the good things of this life and enjoy his blessing with them. Give us this day our daily bread. That's something most Americans, typical Americans, probably don't think of. It's an, it's an easy lesson to forget when overeating is a vastly more significant problem for our culture than not having enough to eat. If there's one thing that we need to be reminded of and that God wants us to know is that we are frail, that life is fragile, 
and we depend upon God for absolutely everything. Think about the exhortation in James 4. James 4, 13 to 15. James is writing um, to the churches and he is seeking to have them be helped in in many uh, categories and understanding works and faith. And in, in verse 13 in chapter 4, he says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You, you, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to pray, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. 13 to 15. So as much as we may believe the the myth of our self-sufficiency, as so often so many go about their day not thinking of God and asking for his provision, the Lord's Prayer teaches us otherwise. What God has planned, that that is ultimate in our lives and everyone's life. Even in a context like our own, uh, which is somewhat disappearing, I understand, right? The dollar isn't going as far as it used to. But even in our context of success, we ought to pray day by day for our daily bread. So we're just going to go through this petition word by word nearly, and then then a couple words at one section, and eventually we'll acknowledge the answer given in the catechism. Uh, That's how Thomas Watson treated it. His treatment on this petition, really on the whole Lord's Prayer, is excellent. It's fantastic, I'd add. So the first word that we see in the petition is give. Give. That sounds a little weird, maybe. To approach, you're approaching God, give. (laughs) Maybe too forceful, we might think like we're bossing God around. But remember, we're approaching our Father here, and we're asking for what we need in light of his glory. I'm not a perfect father. I would like to be a better dad, a better father. That's a pretty regular prayer of mine even. But I'm never bothered by my children asking me for what they need, for what they truly need. And remember, this isn't the first thing that we pray. Jesus didn't teach his disciples to begin their their prayers with a gimme although there is certainly room in the Christian prayer life for short petitions that don't follow the, the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. But the order, doesn't, the order does matter. Not that it needs to be followed in some sort of a strict and rigid or robotic way, but getting the order correct, at least in our hearts, prevents us from turning prayer into a catalog of what we want from God as if he's some sort of a vending machine. So before we ask ourselves, we are, or before we ask for ourselves, before we petition the Lord with give, we're first concerned with God's name, his kingdom, and his will. And so coming from a humble heart, a heart that approaches the one true God in light of the same love that was known among the triune God from all eternity, give is not just acceptable, but it's in fact pleasing to God. When we pray give, God is not glad for demands that we are making, but he's glorified in our dependence upon him. We, we need God to give us something, many everything. Truly, I don't want to give away the whole message yet, but <laughs> he's glorified in us seeing our dependency upon him and, then our, and our realization of our need for him. And we shouldn't be afraid or embarrassed to bring to God our needs. We're to cast all our cares upon the Lord because the Lord cares for you, 1 Peter 5, 7. Or think of the example in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus um, gives 
that he gives when it comes to uh, making petitions before God. Remember there it says to seek, uh, to knock. And... Oh, no, 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 we got it, we got it. Time out. Still going. So, so think again what Jesus is saying here in the Sermon on the Mount when he's instructing those who are listening there on how to petition God. He tells them to seek, to knock, and to ask. This is Matthew 7, 9 through 11. There he reads, or, and this isn't the beginning of that section, we're reading around the middle of it, but there, verse 9 says, or which one of you, if his son asks him for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Or if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give, give good gifts Give good things to those who ask him. Praying give, then, is one way that we honor God. He's the giver. Every good and perfect gift is from him. In James 1.17, and like a loving father, he gives good things to those who ask of him. He knows how to do to those things perfectly. The next word we read is us. And that reinforces that what Jesus is teaching here is not some sort of a treat God like a vending machine idea. It's give us. The petition is not give me. It's give us. And so we see throughout the Lord's Prayer, we've talked about this before, it's presumed that we'll be praying with others. We're together asking our Father for what we need. And even if we pray this prayer individually, it's still important to remember the us. Thomas Watson points out that this is a use of the Lord's instruction in prayer that we should be praying for others. Because after all, even if our own cupboards are, are full, not everyone's are. Not everyone has plenty of money in the bank. Some people live check to check. Not everyone has a house or a car or two or three or four cars or John was here, like, what, six cars? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, you know, more than 10% of Americans are just about more than 10%, maybe more than that now, actually, live below the poverty line. But I, I read before um, that much of the world survives on less than $2 a day. And so we should be mindful of others. Philippians 2.4 says, let, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. It's assumed there, in light of what the Apostle Paul wrote, that we're going to look after our own interests. That's glorifying to God. But we aren't to be selfish in that and neglect the interests of others. And of course, we'll see in a moment, bread means more than just food. We are praying for the whole physical and spiritual well-being of God's people, and not just for their well-being, but for their, well, for their well-being for the sake of the first three petitions, for God's glory. And we're calling upon the Lord to provide for us so that we may honor his name, that we may live for his kingdom, and that we may obey his will. This, and then next... We read um, a set of words in, the, in this petition, which I think are the most important part of this petition, and that is this day, and then also daily. So give us this day. Then there's our. We, we talked about our, our in the context of us, but I'll have something to say about our in just a moment as well. So we're thinking right now of the words this day and daily. Uh, Thomas Watson again he notes we pray not give us bread for a month or a year, but a day. Give us this day. Jesus is teaching us a profound lesson in faith and dependence here. One that's easily overlooked in our flesh. I'm sure we'd probably all like to pray, Father, 
give us in this moment and every moment for the rest of our lives so we have all that we need always at all times perfectly. Uh, you know, so we need not worry about anything and worrying is sin and usually that's the case and so that seems like a good idea to pray that. Uh, you have bread lined up all the way until heaven, a bank account with enough in it to deal with whatever it is that God brings your way. But that's not what we're instructed to pray here. Jesus wants us to pray for what we need this day. He wants us to not ask for a lifetime supply of bread, but for our daily bread. This is the same lesson that the Israelites learned from Egypt, recorded back in Exodus 16, on their way through the wilderness and the promised land. Uh, they want to collect enough manna and quail for the week, or for longer. But God strictly forbids them from storing it up more for later, with the exception of being able to collect two days portion uh, right before the Sabbath, so that way they don't have to go out and do that on the Sabbath, and the Sabbath can be regulated to focusing on the Lord and, and worship. Of course, this doesn't mean that we can't save money or, or that we have to live paycheck to paycheck. We see in both the Old and the New Testament that material abundance can be a sign of God's blessing and his kindness, and that investing and saving and having enough to provide for one's grandchildren even is glorifying to God and is, and is in fact righteous. And so Jesus isn't urging his disciples to take vows of poverty and, or, and to live in every moment without planning and working. There are people who do that, and it's not right. They end up being planned dependence upon others or the state. But Jesus is commending us to a sort of poverty of the spirit uh, for us to see our daily dependence upon God. We aren't to pray, Father, give me what I need for three years. And then in three years when it's ran out, we pray again. <laughs> no, we ask for what we need right now because right now we have present needs. And our greatest need is always to be resting in Christ and to looking to God for all things. There's likely a connection to the wisdom of the Proverbs here as well as Exodus 16. And the Catechism answer cites this verse as well. This is Proverbs 30, verse 8. Um, <clears throat> Proverbs 30, verse 8, it's, you know, how the instruction that given in Proverbs are all of these excellent statements on wisdom. 30, verse 8, and we'll actually start in the second line of it for our purposes tonight. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. And then the reason for that request is given in the next verse. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So in other words, Father, give us what we need for today so that we will hollow your name. We may not think, we may not, be actively thinking that we don't need the Lord, functionally forgetting him, and so that, and so that in doing so, you know, we, don't, we violate his law. Um, two things that we've already prayed about wouldn't happen earlier in the Lord's Prayer, the first and the third petition. But when we... Let me back that up a little bit. I didn't say that right. When we... We're not intentionally, as Christians, wanting to communicate to God that we are all fine all by ourselves, by forgetting him and neglecting to pray. We don't want to functionally forget him. And we do that if we don't depend upon him for our every need. And then if we don't have what we need, we might be compelled to steal or to, to violate his law. That's what the 
wisdom of the Proverbs is, is teaching there. And those are actually two things that we prayed wouldn't happen earlier in the Lord's Prayer. The first petition, which was to make his name holy, you know, for thinking about God and his holiness, then we're thinking about him. We're not forgetting about him. And if we're praying for his will to be done, well, then we wouldn't be stealing as well. So it even it points us back to those, further, those earlier petitions. And so, friends, you know, God wants you to grow in the faith. He expects us to. It's the work of his indwelling spirit to sanctify us and to grow us. And in that, we're instructed to pray for this day's needs and not for the next three years' needs. Now, there's something, another thing that God wants us to see here, and that is that we're, we're more fragile than we think. And he is more gracious and more kind to us than we, are, than we care to imagine. Even if our refrigerator or our freezer is full of food, or if your retirement account looks good, although right now I know it probably took a hit recently, uh, we still must come to God each day asking for our daily bread, asking for his provision. This isn't some mindless ritual. It's a confession that, quote, normal life can blow up at any time, at any moment. One day you can be on vacation out of the state, and then you break a leg and you can't help pack up the battle van. You can't drive yourself back 10 hours and help watch the gang of kids that you have. And then when you get home, everything is hard to do and you find out you need surgery and it rains and then your roof is leaking and then your commuter car has a dead battery and that you learn about right at the time when you're planning to leave to be somewhere timely. And then the babies come down with high fevers all in the span of about eight days. <laughs> the stability that we normally, in light of God's kindness experience, can be appended in a moment. These things happen in this age. They're part of God's plan in building his church and sanctifying it. And obviously I'm speaking of my own experience recently. And while and I wouldn't wish it upon anyone else, it's been an opportunity for God to be glorified. The way the church has responded from sending Nick out um, to drive from Idaho and helping around the house and watching kids and providing food and prayer, all of that speaks to the first three petitions, and God is glorified in that. That's part of God's daily provision as well. And there's another aspect of God's provision in this prayer that is elaborated on later in Matthew 6. Later there, Jesus talks about worry, which has everything to do with this fourth petition. And let's be honest, we all have occasions, sometimes for some people it might feel like the normal way of things, where we worry. Uh, there, there are sorts of these sorts of reasons that people come up with to worry, and I won't go on and describe them because I suspect we're all aware of reasons that cause us to worry. But Jesus says it doesn't have to be that way. Three times he says, do not be anxious in, in Matthew 6, 25, 31, and 34. And he gives all sorts of reasons as to why we should not. The examples, seven of them, one, life is too important, verse 25, Two, you're too important, verse 26. Three, it doesn't do you any good anyway, verse 27. Fourth, God cares about you, verse 28 and 29. Fifth, pagans worry, 30 and 32. Six, the kingdom matters more, seek it first, verse 33. And then seventh, tomorrow will be anxious for itself, verse 34. We don't have time to look at all of those tonight, but just think of that last reason that Jesus tells us they're not to worry. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's another way of saying, give us this day our daily bread. Today's grace is for today's trial. And when tomorrow comes, 
We remember that God's mercy is new every morning, and there will be grace waiting for us there as well. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't expect next year's bread today. You might look at what someone else is going through and what someone endures for the sake of Christ and think, like, man, I could not do that. But you don't know that. God's grace comes through when it's needed. And faith in this regard is trusting that when Future, when the future comes, our Father will give us what we need in that moment. God provides for us what we need when we need it. We needn't worry about having what we need in the future as if God isn't faithful because he is faithful. He is the faithful one. And one quick word about the, the hour here in this prayer. Give us this day, our daily bread. Hour is a possessive word, isn't it? This isn't just any old bread. This is our bread. It belongs to us. How is it that we can ask for our bread? What right do we have? What, what claim do we have? The Dutch theologian Hermann Huistius argued that when we say our, we're taught industry and justice. Industry, because praying for bread doesn't relieve us of the responsibility to work for the bread. And we say our, because in an earthly sense, we have earned what God has given us. And when justice, and then justice, because our means, we're not looking to take what does not belong to us. In other words, we don't expect to eat by sloth or by theft. We only ask from God what we need and what we could expect, given our steadfastness with the opportunities we have been given. It, it works in conjunction with that. We're not to be like those Thessalonians that the apostle paul addressed who were not working because they heard the lord was to come back soon no no the, again god decrees everything and he accomplishes his end through secondary causes through means often which prayer being one of those means now bread when it comes to the bread there is a long history of the church understanding this in both a physical and spiritual sense Augustine summarized the tradition of the early church when he argued that daily bread could refer to three things. Number one, all things necessary for sustaining life, which is essentially the catechism answer. Then two, the sacrament of the body of Christ. And then three, spiritual food. Certainly the first and most obvious meaning is physical bread, which includes more than bread, but food in general. Uh, Mark 3, 20 to 3, 21 says, then he meaning Jesus, went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. Uh, translated more wooden, woodenly, it would say that they could not even eat bread. Or same thing in Second Thessalonians 3.12. There the Apostle Paul writes, Now such persons we command and encourage the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. In the Greek it says that they must work quietly and eat their own bread. Here again, we see the idea of bread, meaning that which we have labored for. We see that bread can mean any kind of food or really anything we truly need for living. And notice that Jesus didn't direct the disciples to pray for specific national or international or global concerns here. Of course, it's good to pray for those things too. But it's worth noting that Jesus points us to rather mundane, personal requests. We shouldn't be embarrassed by these requests. We need food. We need water. We need clothing and shelter. And God cares about the body as well as the soul. And we shouldn't think that concerns for our bodily sustenance and bodily pleasure are somehow beneath the Christian. True, we are not commanded to pray for our daily cake 
or our daily lobster. Jesus isn't encouraging some sort of a sense of entitlement or extravagance, but he's not overlooking the needs of the body. The Bible never encourages asceticism as a way of life. God created marriage. God created food and drink. It is the demons, not God, who forbid the enjoyment of these gifts, according to 1 Timothy 4.3. Or 4.3. So bread is, first of all, bread, and food and the necessities of life more broadly. But we would be right to think that Jesus is concerned with spiritual matters here as well. It's a repeated refrain in Scripture that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's Deuteronomy 8. That's also Matthew 4 when Jesus is confronted in his trial uh, there in the wilderness where he's been fasting for 40 days and Satan comes and he, Jesus uses Scripture to uh, fend off the deceiver. And so praying for our daily bread means asking God for all things that are necessary for, for both life and godliness. Or as the catechism answer asserts, that we may receive a competent portion of the good things of this life and enjoy his blessing with them. Jesus would have us see that we can't live without bread and we can't live without the Bible for very long either. Don't just give us this earthly bread, Lord, but give us the bread that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is emphatic in his ministry that there is a better bread out there, that we should seek the heavenly bread that can feed us, not for just a day, but for all of eternity. Most importantly, Jesus has some important things to say of himself. So you could turn to John 6 with me. And this is you know, in the context of feeding 5,000 and then he gets on a boat and he travels. Or no, this is where he walks on. He walks across the body of water. And then he had chapter, John chapter six. Oh no! Uh, first. first, first verse thirty-five. So he's talking with his disciples, and Jesus and um, there's also others there who aren't his disciples. And he says to them, "I am the bread of life." Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So first off, he, he is the bread of life. Then a few verses down, John six forty one. So the Jews grumbled. These are the ones who aren't believing. Grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. So he is the bread of life. He is the bread that came down from heaven. And then John 6, verse 54. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So in other words, whoever feasts on this bread that is Christ lives on forever, has eternal life. When we think about the Lord's Prayer and we come to this petition day after day, our hearts should be singing that simple song, Give me Jesus. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us Christ. It's amazing how much there is to learn and think about in such a short but familiar request in the Lord's Prayer. And give us bread sounds pretty straightforward until we realize i think that god wants to fill our hearts more than he wants to fill our stomachs and so let me close with three points and, and others have noticed these as well that gets the heart of this petition uh, a spirit of contentment a spirit of gratitude and a spirit of dependence so first are we satisfied with what we have can we be content in whatever situation we are in this petition of the Lord's Prayer teaches us this very thing, that what we have comes from God. So if we have it, good, praise God. And if we don't have it, well, 
we can still praise God. The Apostle Paul, reflecting on his trials and his needs to the church in Philippi, said this. You're, I'm sure, aware of this uh, passage in Philippians. Philippians 4. <clears throat> I'm going to read the extended portion of it, but more than just 10 and 11 and 12. But beginning at verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and how I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Now, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. See, it's done for God's glory. I have received full payment and more, and I am well supplied, having received from... Epaphroditus, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You see, give us this day our daily bread. What Paul had, he's learned to be content with because every day he was dependent upon Christ. And Christ meets our needs every day. It's only when we think we know better than God that we, that we begin to forget that we go and fall into discontentment. But we can learn by the grace that God gives us to be content because it is God who supplies our needs. And he often does that, again, I, through the church body. Again, my own, the last two weeks, the church body has abundantly stepped up where, well, no pun intended, I can't step, you know? So that's the first area of application. Secondly, um, it also teaches us a spirit of gratitude, James 1.17, I mentioned earlier, I'll say it again, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Not just some good gifts, but every good gift. Do you have kids, a spouse, friends, a good church, transportation, job, a roof over your head, a favorite food, favorite movie, favorite song, a bed to sleep in this evening, shoes on your feet, money in your pocket, some food in your belly, a Bible to read in your own language. Every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. Give thanks to God for what we have and for what we don't have. God is also sovereign over that as well. If you're a Christian, you can be sure that God has taken care of you in the past. He knows your needs in the present. And we all know the future that, that awaits us, don't we? Uh, Nick spoke of it this morning, some of it. Uh, the future that we have as Christian, ba Christians based upon the merits of Christ, a banquet in heaven. He's preparing a, a room for us. We, we read of in the gospel accounts, an eternal body that doesn't have the problems that these earthly tents often have, all based upon what God has done for us, not the good things that we have done in this life, not our recognition of, of our need for God even, but all based upon what Jesus has done for us, what he's obtained for us. And then lastly, um, a spirit of dependence. 
Most of us probably thank God for our food every day. I mean, I imagine that it's a pretty normal and basic thing for Christians to thank God for their meals, their breakfast, lunch, dinner, um, all of that. But how often do we ask him for food? It's easy to overlook in our affluent culture. For the most of us, we just assume it. Uh, we assume to have it. And in one sense, it's, it's a tremendous blessing. But it's also a profound danger. We don't want to forget God, but praying this prayer reminds us of our dependence upon him. The word daily suggests that we are to pray this prayer, not necessarily the Lord's prayer, um, empty-minded or something like that, although there's nothing wrong with praying this prayer. It's a rich and valuable prayer in so much as we are actually, you know, not just using it as rote repetition where we're not engaged in our mind. But if we pray something like this every day, even, it, it is the point. Something like this, like, Father, today I need your help. Today I need your blessing. Today I need your provision. Father, help me to not sin in this way. We're going to get right into next week here. or Lead me not into, into temptation. You know, so it is, again, it's seeing this daily need for God. And so go to God with your requests. Honor God by trusting him and his and his power to provide for you rather than in your own power to provide for yourself. Again, I think it's accidental. I don't think most Christians are intently thinking to forget God in this regard. We just go about our lives because we're often busy and we don't think to acknowledge our need for God every moment. Every breath we take is the Lord's working in our lives, our lungs operating, our hearts beating. That is the Lord providing for us. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he wasn't just showing them this miracle to attest to his deity. He was also showing them that he is the one who can and who will take care of all of their needs. And look, look to God to satisfy you, church. He's not too busy. He's not incapable. He is sufficient in every way possible, and you need him. I need him. And we glorify God by being needy in seeing our need. God's not impressed with people who think they don't need any help. I think of the old hymn. It's, we, we sing it here. Um, but we read, I, I need thee every hour. In joy or pain, come quickly and abide, or, or life is vain. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. That's the heart. Of, of, of a Christian, and that's what the Lord is teaching us here in this fourth petition, to, that we need the Lord. So let's pray, and then if we have any questions or comments, we'd be happy to take those. But our Father in heaven, you are glorious, and we are grateful that you are so faithful, and you are a perfect provider. And Lord, we ask that you would put it upon our hearts to be more dependent upon you, that you would cause us to grow in prayer. I'm even encouraged Lord, to, um, to see that there are people in this congregation that are you know, publicly asking for that help even, Lord. And the truth of the matter is that we all um, would like to grow in our prayer life. So we pray for grace in that regard and ask, Lord, that you would continue to teach us how to pray as long as you give us time here on your earth, that your will may be done and that we may rejoice in taking part of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Well, any um, questions? Any, I'm going to try to clarify or straightforward enough. Yeah. Um, 
one of, <laughs> one of the reasons that we might not daily uh, petition God for food is, is if no food comes into our house like for the next month, we'll still be able to eat just by the amount the grocery store that we have within our own Cabinets. houses. I know. <laughs> but but I, I recognize the intent of that, that, especially when you talk about the air that we breathe, you know, we just, it's the amount of stuff that we just take for granted. Well, I, I can actually tell that your kids moved out a while ago because <laughs> I have, I have my kids come out, well, there's nothing to eat, Dad, and the refrigerator and the pantry is oh, stocked. I've been told us he locks his snack cabinet. Ivan Stewart. It on That's wisdom. So this is wise Sundays. there. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, they just come in. And they don't eat dinner and lunch. They just eat snacks all the time. <laughs> but uh, you're absolutely right. We have so much. That's that's the, that's even well, I was you're impressed. Saying, you're, you're talking about the 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 intent to to recognize that day by day, you know, literally second by second, we're dependent upon God for you know being on the side of the grave, really. Amen. And. Um, we don't, we just, we just take our, our lives into our own hands way too frequently and uh, ignore the fact that God, minute by minute, is sustaining us. Amen. It's, so. it's easy to do it, which is in some sense a blessing. That I, Nick, even in his, this morning when you were talking about um, America and how it is on this decline, but yet, it still, still is a place, yeah, where, where we don't have to, generally speaking, worry about it. We're not lined up in bread lines every day because our cabinets are empty. Um, and so it's a blessing, but there's a danger in that that we might forget. I mean, yeah, when I was, I was convicted myself when I was going over this, like, I don't pray for daily food. I pray for other things. You know, I never really thought about food because it's just always there. Right. Um, but, and, uh, and I thank God those, for that, you know, I, I do. Along those yeah. lines, um, when, when, I, when I think about is it, uh, you know, especially when Nick was talking about that this morning, um, and I asked, is, is that necessarily a good thing, uh, net, that we are the most, let's call it just prosperous nation in the world or something like sure, that? Yeah. Because it... it sometimes minimizes our recognition that uh, we are dependent. It, it's kind of like when I ask somebody, is it better to, uh, that the computer age came along and that everybody has a PC or whatever and the internet, is it better that the internet came along or not? And I remember talking, if you remember Howard Churchill, and he said, oh yeah, because yeah. you can pull out this information and that and that. And I said, well, what about all this time that we waste, you know, surfing, the net and, and all the junk that's on, uh, it's, it's, it's a time waster and a, a temptation to sin. And I realize there's good stuff and there's a bunch of bad stuff. And so I'm just asking on the net. Yeah. And he said it was better. And I said it was worse. Um, is it better or worse <laughs> that America is as prosperous as it is? Because it can lead us into complacency and self-sufficiency and, and a failure to seek the glory of God and, and how and, and his holiness yeah you know we that's come up many times today actually it's like we 
I think as we have our daily bread, though, that that should, I mean, as a Christian, it should uh, inspire us to give daily bread to others. Yeah. Well, it should launch us into thankfulness. From what God gave us. Yeah. But other thing I was going to ask about is not everybody's able to earn their daily bread. Do you have a comment on that? Just to be thankful that God supplies our needs. Yeah, well, that's... I. I, I I did, maybe you were taking uh, Nora to the restroom at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did mention at one point that part of the prayer encouraged us to, that not everybody has what we have. And so even though, yeah, my cover is full, not everybody's cover is full. Even though, you know, I might have some money in the bank, not everybody has money in the bank. So the fact that we give us our daily bread encourages us also to be praying for other people's things. Um, so along both the, the lines of what you're saying, I think it's safe to say that I'm, I'm very glad that... I do have these things, and I see them as a blessing to the Lord. And here we are talking about it now and reminding ourselves now that we should be thankful for these things, even though we have them. There's definitely a danger to forget about them, and that's just like anything else, a sin that we would have to guard and watch for. But I would most certainly rather have the freedoms that we have now, the ability to have a car and to go places, than to not have those things if that meant... Because I think I could still glorify God having those, just as well as you can glorify God by not having them as well, but I'd rather have them, <laughs> if that makes sense. It sure makes life easier. And I understand this life isn't forever. You know, this is temporary, and we do go through trials at different degrees, and there are Christians in other parts of the world who don't have any of this, and they live under oppression of the government. And, and But does that mean that they are um, experiencing more fullness of Christ? No, not necessarily at least, you know. It could be that way. Our problem in America, what it does lead to a problem to, is you have a huge swath of what just seems like nominal Christianity, where it's easy to just take the gift and forget about the giver. And for, to get what James 1.17 says, that every good and every is from him. So that's a danger. But I mean, again, you know, I like living in this country where I'm able to have these things, and we see them slipping away, and we don't like that. Um, but God's will be done. You know? Fred, I know you were waiting. I'm sorry. Yeah. Good. No, I think uh, a lot more people are awake, especially in 2021, because of the uh, you know logistics of transportation. We've seen how just a small disruption where people were you know lining up at the grocery stores and uh, yeah, you know, yep. and the thing was is you'd go in and you, if it wasn't on the shelf, if it was on the shelf and you were lucky. After waiting an hour, it would be like, all right, well, you only get two packages of meat uh, yeah. per customer. So I think it woke up a lot of people, too. You know how fragile our system can be. Absolutely. Oh, it was the taste so of socialism. I think, right uh, and it the was. thing is, is, I think especially now with COVID and mm-hmm. see homeless, and you get home and you click on that heater and it, you can put it up to, crank it up to 75, uh, you know, you're like, God, thank you, Lord, for heat. <laughs> Amen, yeah. Unless you're lost, and then you're like, this is a curse. You mentioned about, I mean, I don't think you, maybe I heard around you, that it was a sin to worry. Maybe it's a sin to worry, maybe if you're distrusting in God, maybe? Yeah, I said said usually it's a a sin to worry, because you're being anxious, You're, you're worrying about something that's not in your power, and what does it add, you know? So it's, it's, it's implying a lack of trust in God. Trusting God is righteousness. Worry is not trust. Yeah, I agree so, with yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, you can worry, but... I think, like, my wife is prone to worry. I think some of us are just 
more warriors than uh, warriors than others. So I don't necessarily. I'm not trying to say that that you know my wife is perpetually in sin for that reason. Um, but I think that you know the Bible's pretty clear. Yeah, do not be anxious about anything, um, and that that's implying a lack of trust in the Lord. So it could be not yeah, not in every case. I mean, it's as a dad, you know, if my son is they're getting a little older and so i'm it's so i let them go out i go to the um, bike or to the park on their bikes or whatever and they're supposed to be back home at a certain time and if they're not i would be a little bit worried am i sinning at that time no i don't think i'm sinning at that time i'm just a concerned father but there are certain things where it could be is why i say so that's why i, I try to say it in that way that it's it's uh, often a sin but it's not always worry could just be because we're not god and we're just we're creatures and so we are limited and so worry might be a temporary yeah yeah it's an it could be an expression of a right attitude um but at the same time you know ultimately you trust in god so but i agree with you i remember when the kid would my kid would be out and they were supposed to be only 10 and all of a sudden it's 11 30 and i could get to sleep but my wife couldn't yeah they were actually in the house yeah and i i mean that's she loves them, right? So it's born out of a thing, of a right place even. So, yeah. You do too. You're just able to fall asleep. I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Clarification. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ross, you had another? Yeah, I was also uh, just a, a comment on the, the focus on the, the daily um, that, um, and I know you're, uh, you wouldn't want this to happen, that that, that statement or message be misconstrued to not consider two days from now or to not consider a week or a month in other aspects of life. Uh, you've heard somebody think they're clever in saying people plan God laughs. God laughs, yeah. And it, which is not true. I mean, tell that to Nehemiah who petitioned the king to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and eventually Jerusalem and in in chapter two of Nehemiah he says I and I need um, I, I need a parchment or whatever one that will say to uh, to the governors to please let this person cross your land and to another person to please supply him with all the building materials yeah. and and to I think it's to Sam Bowell to say, you know, leave this guy alone, <laughs> you know, just yeah. whatever. I mean, that was planning and that was looking out into months and possibly even years mm -hmm. down the road. But that's not I, a violation of give us this day or day not, no, not, yeah. not at all. Yeah. And, and I'm just bringing that up that planning is not a bad idea. Number one and number two, that doesn't preclude Nehemiah from daily petitioning the Lord as he's going along and yeah. fulfilling that plan. Absolutely. So uh, people should misconstrue. All right, throw everything out. I'm just don't don't even think about two days from now. I'm just going to think one day out for the rest of my life. Yeah, and I'd be wrong. I agree. I uh, I think that man plans and God laughs. I think that's based off of. James 4, where it talks about he who goes to another city and he planned to do this and that, but if the Lord doesn't give the provision, then it's not going to happen. And so I think that's based off of that. But even, I did say that 
I, it was brief. I didn't go into much detail about it, but I did say exactly what you're saying, that this isn't telling us to live paycheck to paycheck or not plan. I, I, I think I mentioned that it's righteousness and goodness even to store up so much, even that you'd have some for your grandchildren. I, one of the epistles uh, mentions that. I, it kind of um, reminded me actually of my son Benjamin, who's not here tonight, every week playing, praying that we would have a good day. All right, yeah. You know what I mean? It could be annoying to some, but it's, it's also... A reminder to us to just have that simplicity of a child to to know that we need every day to ask the Lord to be our provision and give us daily yeah. bread. And it was a that yeah. uh, it re- really struck me when you were praying about that because it's that that daily part of it has a great significance that we often oh, think past it. He's seven. Wow, that's beautiful. That yeah. do that every day. Doesn't annoy me at all. Well, I love it. it. Like every Sunday night yeah, when he's here for prayer, he always says, we wow. pray that God Is that your Ben voice? Yeah. That's what I said. Everyone. I know, that's better. Tiny 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 Yeah, so I did say that, Ross. Maybe more of a comment in passing that God doesn't want us to live just as as right. uh, take vows of poverty is what I say. He doesn't want us to do that in order to fulfill his command. Um, but it's just like what you were talking about earlier. You know, we have so much. Is that good or is that bad? Well, it's good. It's a blessing, but there's a danger of forgetting God, but it doesn't mean that we have to forget yeah. God. So. Good, good? Good. Good. All right, God bless you guys. All Happy right. to be back.